right, boys and girls. Oh, my mic is over here. What's going on? All right, boys and girls, welcome to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the the real life on the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast. I know I'm off of my game. I'm kind of tired. I've been working a lot today. Heat is killing me. I'm working a lot of outdoor stuff. So anyways, welcome once again to the real life on the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast. Thank you for coming. We're going to have a great episode for you today. Um, Jeff Malat from the Kayak Bass Nation is going to join me. And, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about kind of piggyback out of the podcast that um, Dan Perry and I recorded for his segment, The Advanced Kayak Anglers. That was a week ago. Um, We had a lot of positive feedback about that episode um, in the short history of Bass Kayak and Beers and The Advanced Kayak Angler. It, you know, it became the most popular episode in like less than a week. That's not saying much. We just started in January, to be honest with you. But it does tell me that you guys enjoy this kind of topics. We want to talk. We want to kind of piggyback off it and continue talking about it. I know the advanced kayak angler is more centered around teaching techniques and all that. So we figured, you know, this would be a good um, subject to continue on my segment, The Real Life, which is more based on you know, the uh, the life and trials of the tournament anglers and content creators. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. If you didn't listen to the episode, we were talking, it was, it was titled, uh, what was it titled? I know how to, it was a big deal with the title. Oh, kayak fishing. Is kayak fishing dead? It was a question. Um, and we really were talking about, you know, the between the advancements in technology and the rule changes on the national trails, it seems like it's really squeezing, as Dan put it, the little guy or the anglers that kind of traditionally fish, uh, you know, with a paddle, skinny waters and all that. And that is a valid point. Um, you know, Dan had a, a, you know, saw it one way, I saw it the other. But I do have to admit, reading the feedbacks and that we got through text messages, through Spotify, um, through um, our social media, which, by the way, you can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and with the Bass Kayak and Beers. It seems like you there's a lot of you out there that feel like Dan is feeling, that you that this trails and technology is taken away from the essence of kayak fishing. So I didn't think there were that many of you out there that felt that way, so I do apologize. Even if I don't think, I don't see things the same way other people do. I do realize I have a responsibility as a podcaster uh, for the community to amplify their voice, whether they agree with it or not, and talk about it without having to disrespect somebody else's opinion, you know, result to insults or or just dismissing the other opinion. That's my take on it. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about some of the rule changes that on the national trail that have taken place in the last, I guess, weeks or month that kind of went under the radar. I didn't even know about it. And it raised some questions in the, the last few, uh, I guess the last Bassmaster characters and Possum Kingdom and the last um, uh, national trail for the Hobie POS. So there, there's some interesting stuff there um, that Jeff is going to kind of like fill us in and we'll talk about it. So again, if you have any questions for my special guest or for myself, Jeff Malad, uh, feel free to put them on the comment section. We'll try to do our best to answer those questions. And again, feel free to share this video on, you know, whether it's on Facebook, on YouTube. And if you're listening to our MP3 formats, we do appreciate it. If you don't mind uh, and you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, feel free to uh, give us your five-star reviews if you feel so kind to. So that really does help with the growth of the podcast. Growth. Gross, gross. What's going on? Gross. I'm sorry. I'm really tired today. So, anyways, let's bring in our special guest, Jeff Malad. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? What's up, man? I'm tired too. Man, I've been I've been doing a lot of my new job is really outdoors today. This this heat is killing me here in Texas today. So, but anyways, nobody wants to hear me whine about my old age. By the way, you you turned fifty. Um, how do you feel? Do you feel like a fifty year old? Yeah, man. I got immediately the next door. I was more sore. <laughs> gassier limping around <laughs> no it's weird i you know it's kind of surreal grandpa turning 50 uh you so, know my oldest boy is about to turn 30 which is even weirder so wow 
I actually, like two weeks ago, I turned 49. I don't feel older. But, well, yeah. my, my mind doesn't, but my body thinks I went to hell or something. Cause yeah, yeah. It's, Every, everything takes longer to get over, doesn't it? Like you, get, you hurt something. And exactly. Instead of two days, it's two weeks. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Especially on tournaments, man. I, doing uh, two practice days and then a two-day tournament is not as much fun. Before I start in, let's give a shout out to some of the listeners. Fishing is live. What's up? First time listener. Welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy, man. I hope you can coming backward. If you have a question, feel free to ask away. And Nicholas Myers was a great episode. Really enjoy hearing both sides. That's referring to the last episode. Really appreciate it, Nicholas. I hope you enjoyed this one too as well. And again, if you have any questions for myself or my special guest, Jeff Malat. If you don't know Jeff, he's kind of like a legend in the nation. Yeah. How are things in the kayak bass nation? Tell us for those that haven't listened or heard, you know, your live show or your social media. Tell us a little bit about the kayak bass nation. Man, Ryan and I have now have been doing that. We're coming up on episode 200 of, of the podcast, believe it or not. Um, we just do it once a week. And for a while, the first few years, we didn't even do it once a week, but we do it. We do it once a week, Monday nights, we go live. We have a great time with it. Um, my partner, Ryan Lambert and I, and like I said, we're coming up on episode 200. It's been going really good. The audio podcast is, is growing. The, the video podcast is growing. We're adding some new shows to the deal. Uh, it's a lot of fun, man. I, I heard what you were saying earlier, the responsibility of podcasters. I always say podcasters, we're, we're kayak fishing's, you know, sports illustrator, ESPN. Nobody else talks about this. It's just us. I mean, if we don't talk about it. Nobody will. So that, that's kind of our job on KBN, kind of what you're doing. So, yeah, it's good times. It's going well over there. Well, and, uh, and again, we do appreciate what you do in the Kayak Bass Nation. Um, you also have the group page. People can join. You should probably put a disclaimer on that, kind of give a heads up on wh what they'll be facing. <laughs> if they join used to, people, people are used to it now. Elon Musk made free speech live on Twitter. And we're, the, <laughs> we're like, we were pre-Elon with the free speech over on the Kayak Bass Nation. You guys were trailblazers for sure. Yeah. Fun so fun. before we start, I have to ask you, I know you're a huge basketball fan did you watch anything of the nba finals did you oh like yeah them? Did you enjoy I, was, it? I love i'm I, you know I, I had no dog in the fight but i found myself pulling for denver uh i like Jokic. he's kind of a throwback player with yep. some new school skills uh you know denver's never won a championship so i, I was down to to see that I, but i like miami too so it was, it was a great to me it was great basketball i know everybody wanted to see celtics lakers whatever but i thought it was great basketball even though it was 4-1 series uh, it was really fun to watch for me it was all games, I think, except for maybe one or two were competitive. I'm I grew up watching Larry Bird, Mikhail, and Robert yeah. Parrish. So I'm a huge Celtics fan, but I I it gets me upset watching this brand of basketball now, which the Celtics are playing, which is just like it's not team basketball. No. I love Jason Tatum. This is an amazing player, but it's just there's no team in it. Um, yeah, they should they should have already won a ring. With the talent. Well, I don't yeah. think I, I want to say they won because they're both young. They're like 26 and 25. Amen. You know, LeBron didn't win until he was 27. Uh, same with Steph Curry, same with Michael Jordan. I'll give it one or two more years before I, I say they should have won. I th I, look, I think they're done. I think they blow up the Celtics this year. Nah. I think I think Jalen Brown's gone. I think somebody else is probably gone. Well, too. I was I don't want to dive too much because well, we want to stick to it, but I think it's basketball, it's, baby. It's basketball. I know, but I think it's like um what I what I I do research a lot on it. Um, it's not financially because they can't trade him, right? Um, if he if he resigns and if he resigns with another team, he gets a lot less money. So, you. all right. So after this, Mondo, we're starting a basketball podcast separate. Let's do it. I I probably I, I'll be done with that. The OGs. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the subjects that you. Uh, Dan and I were talking about last week. What are your thoughts on it? Like, what did you agree or disagree with? And what do you want it to bring to the table? I sent you a message to want, like I asked to come on here to argue with Dan because I completely disagree with him. 100% disagree with him uh, on his take on the paddlers getting left behind on the boundaries versus designated launches. Disagree with all of it. And, and this is coming from a guy I've been doing this since 2011, uh, fishing kayak tournaments. And I was a paddle guy, won a lot of tournaments paddling, probably won more tournaments paddling than I have pedaling or motoring. Um, so, and I was anti pedal when the pedal drives came out, no pedal drives, get out of here, you know? And then when the motor started coming around, I was like, that's too far. We don't need motors. 
and now I've, you know, I've had a motorboat too. So I think that's all just part of the wave of, of, I hate to call it progress, but you know, these people aren't in this sport to become kayakers. They're bass fishermen. So the paddle is just, was just a nuisance until something better came along. That's kind of how I felt about it. I think the, what I do think is that I don't call what we do now, even though we call it kayak fishing and the podcast is bass kayak and beers. When we get down to tournaments, you know, when we start adding pedal drive, um, and then motors, you know, pedal drives kind of change it from being manpowered to motor powered, you know, technology driven. And when you look at, um, you know, live scope for facing, I'm not against any of it. I'm not against progress. You know, that's what it is. I just reluctantly call it kayak fishing because that's what everybody's calling. But I don't view it as we're no longer doing kayak fishing. To me, the essence of kayak fishing was gone a couple of years ago. Um, that's my take on it. Not that I'm hating on it. Again, I'm not hating on the progress. I'm super happy with the way kayak fishing has progressed. If you want to still call it kayak fishing. I, you know, when you think about kayak fishing was invented in somewhere in, I think it was uh, Sweden, you know, hundreds of years ago, obviously rods and reels weren't around by that time, but you know, ancestors use it for like hunting and all that. It was paddle and a kayak and that remained unchanged for like hundreds of years until recently it's not even recognizable anymore as far as what it originally started with. Right. You know, that, that part I agree with. Yeah. I mean, we're fishing from small plastic watercraft and I know they're still sold as kayaks, branded as kayaks. Uh, Johnny just said us on the comments there, but these guys, are, I mean, if you go out and ask these guys about paddle stroke technique or how to, to manage current in a kayak paddling or something, nobody, I mean, I've, I'm just guessing, but I'm guessing 80, 90% of the people in these tournaments wouldn't have a clue about that. They just have a paddle because they have to have one. You know, they, they're out there to fish. So now on the other side of that, what Dan was saying, talking about you're leaving the little guy behind, so on and so on. The little guy still has a chance, even with the defined launches. And I know he disagrees with that too. We can talk about the launches later. They still have a chance. It's just, do you want to, do you want to attack? It's going to be a lot more work. But you have a chance. I mean, Russ Snyder's is top 10 in the BOS right now. He paddles. Russ, Russ Snyder paddles? He paddles an attack for the BOS events. He has a torpedo for the bass events. He doesn't do the pedal drive. He's no, no. longer using the name. Really? No. I, when I, I fished with him on Caddo, he launched with me, and he took off in that attack paddling. Now, he may really? have a different, yeah. He may have a radar that he pedals sometimes, too. I don't know. But he does paddle some because he did it at Caddo. I saw him do it. Um, and he's in that top 10 and, you know, Drew who's won the BOS. This was pre, pre rule change. Well, yeah, that was pre rules. Yeah. Um, some other guys like on Dardanelle a couple years ago, a guy won the BOS event paddling. Paddling is still a thing. It's kind of like the Keith Poche thing in the Bass Elites or the, the Opens. You, you can win it in a small boat. You're going to get beat to death on the big water. You're going to get beat to death on the main lake if you're willing to sacrifice a lot of stuff and, and do some things, you can still have success in a small boat or in a paddle boat. In our, in our case, a paddle kayak, it's just going to be a lot more work. I don't think they're left behind. I just think you're leaving yourself behind. If you choose to stay in a paddle kayak, that's what I think. What? No, I agree with you on some of that. I do think that it severely handicaps a paddler that that's the honest truth. Um, why do you think it was, and I, first of all, I agree with the rule changes. I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not debating this point. Um, and fishing is live. I'll get to that question in a moment. The question that I have you posted there. But before that, um, why was the need for the rule changes in your mind? Well, it's, it's one thing. We all need to fish the water that's on the title of the tournament. Like if, if Lake Dardanelle's the, the, title of the tournament like dardanelle Bassmaster, let's say then by god i think we all ought to stick a foot in that lake at some point during the tournament and before the rule change people weren't doing that people were fishing different ecosystems completely off the lake and what i'm not calling them cheaters because it wasn't against the rules it's just what they were doing uh, so that's why that the rule needed to be changed now i know that some of the folks think that that should have been changed to a boundary within the lake but I, I don't like that either i like the the hard designated launches that's what i like 
why would you and again asking the questions why do you like the the one why do you prefer one versus the other What's well i mean there, there's so many stories in the past of when it was just public launch okay uh people you know hand roping boats off of bridges and going behind private property and no trespassing areas and there's no way to police that uh even with boundaries if you're drawing red lines on a google map through some uh woods or across a bridge or across a creek or whatever uh you, you can't dial that in down on ground level necessarily. And then all that land in between that boundary, you're not policing if people are sliding in where they're not supposed to be in those, in those no trespassing areas, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Um, now, and also the boundaries would never have been good enough. I guarantee you if they did, if they had drawn a line around the lake, the people that wanted the boundaries would have said, well, they're not far enough. They're not far enough up Creek X. Yeah. They're not far enough out on this lake. And that would have been a huge problem too. So when you just say, here's your launches, here's 25 launches, have at it. Now we're all on equal playing field. Nobody gets an advantage for having an extra month off to go drive every forest road in the country and find secret put-ins. Uh, I mean, for example, now this was before the rule change at the KBF national championship, there were people getting no trespassing tickets. Police were called on people. I mean, this was happening to people because they were using private areas to access water for the, for the uh, practice time of the tournament to get ready for the tournament. You, you shouldn't be doing all that. And that, and define launches cleans it up. It takes out the gray area, completely cleans it up. That's why I like them. And what about, and I'm, you know, to kind of like compromise, would you, what would you say about, okay, let's do designated launches. Let's not do uh, boundaries but let's allow portaging as long as you launch from the designated boat ramps. hundred percent agree with that. I, I wish they would have done that. I think once you put in, if you put in within the, on the lake that we're supposed to be fishing, and if you want to put in the work three hours up some Creek and drag it over trees, I think you should be allowed to do that. They didn't do that, but I wish they would have done that. Yeah. I think that a lot of, that's why I think, there's this is the way I think the misconception is of why the rule changes. In my opinion, the rule changes. The the heart of the problem, along with what everything you said, was when people redefined what is accessible. Somebody with great paddling skills would look at a laydown of a tree sticking out three or four feet, you know, from one side of the creek to the other above the water and would say, Oh, that's accessible to me because I have a smaller craft and I'm a, I'm a, you know, a, in a great athletic forms and I'm a, you know, world-class paddler, which is true. It might be true, true. But my problem is, is like, once you make that statement that you no longer have to go through that particularly lay down because you interpret it as that's not in, it makes it inaccessible for me. That I think that was the real problem. People would say, Oh, well, it's accessible to me. Well, did you go over it? No. Yeah, th that's the thing is how would you know if you're not starting on the lake? Exactly. And if, frankly, some of the places people were fishing, even if there was no obstructions, you wouldn't have the time to get up there. Yeah. Even if it was free flowing water with no laydowns, you would, there's no way you could have made it there just paddling up the creek or even motoring up the creek. You're not going 20 miles. You know, you know what I mean? Or 25 miles, 30 miles. You're not making it there from the main lake in a kayak. So that makes it inaccessible to me, to me too. There's no way you can make it there in that amount of time and back, you know? So th that was the defined launches and, and that's why I was okay with that. But I, I'm with you. I wish they would have allowed portaging. Yeah. I think that is kind of like maybe a happy medium that kind of gives something back to the paddlers, kind of gives them a little bit more of an edge because of course, if you're on a, whether it's a Crescent Shoaly or a, Jackson Cusa or uh, the new Bonafide River 11. That's an advantage now you have over a, you know, an old town uh, PDL or a PA 360 where you, you know, you log, you know, portaging with that is a nightmare with any of those two craft that I just, you know, I've done it. And it's, you know, just for when I'm going creek fishing, not for tournaments, but so that kind of like, okay, now you have an, you have an edge where you, you want to fish. And then, you know, it kind of helps out both sides. So I, and I think a lot of times we have to give credit to the tournament directors like um, AJ and Steve Owen. It's not an easy job. 
this is a new sport that it's in its infancies with a dynamic that very different from basketball. Like we don't have a blueprint. Like MLF had a blueprint from Bass Master to kind of build MLF. You know, they'll tweak, they tweaked it, the rules to make it a little bit more interesting, but there was a blueprint. Like we don't have a blueprint for kayak fishing. CPR, we, what tournament, there's no tournament anywhere where you use a CPR format that we can blueprint out of it. There's no, you know, kayak fishing blueprint that we can use. It's more like we're learning as we go. We You get the feedback from the anglers, you make the changes and you try to make as much people happy as you can. You're not going to make everybody happy, of course. Before we uh, continue, I do want to answer what's a good maintenance on a fin pedal drive. What do you think about that? What is a good maintenance on a fin pedal drive? You can get rid of that and get your prop down. <laughs> no, keep the fin pedal drive. Uh, good maintenance would be, I think, what people make a lot of mistakes is start throwing uh, WD-40 and some of those... Uh, lubricants that are more penetrant that people you know it lubricates but at the same time it um kind of liquefies the grease that's over that's on they're meant to protect so don't use kind of like wd-40 or anything like that if you have to take it apart and grease it um and you're gonna have to do it at some point um just make sure you don't do any of those uh, lubricants that just kind of like dilute the grease on it and also God, Daniel Perry has a message for you. Um, I think he was scared of you. That's why he bring you on board. No, Dan's cool, man. <laughs> no, I, I, like, I, like Dan, I like Dan's takes on everything. I just, you know, I, I had opposite opinion on a lot of the stuff. But, you know, I got to thinking about the portaging thing. I think if they allowed that, you you might see people showing up with multiple boats. You might see even the guys with the giant Hobies showing up with a paddle yak just in case they wanted to get back on, you know, some past some thick, lay down or beaver dam or something and they were allowed to do that you, you might see him show up with an extra boat uh the question surely it is i've i did it i tried it on icast last year it is so cooler lid ap120 it is a great and it's designed by duke gregory he's one of the best at it what about the idea of maybe implementing on national trails a couple of river trails like let's say instead of always going to a big uh, lake like sometimes like at more Susquehanna kind of events where you know usually you're yeah. allowed to board each other yeah everybody brings the, the smaller boats and and inflatable boats and things like that yeah I think that's cool you just have to have the places to do that you know there's not that many rivers that can handle a big tournament like that I know three rivers they used to do a big one down in Georgia the three rivers Throwdown. Uh, that could handle it the Susky can handle it uh, they're doing the new river which I, I've been told, I've never been there, that it's not quite as big, could get a little crowded. Uh, but they could do, you know, a road. if anyone does roadrunner events in their areas where you go to multiple bodies of water, you could go to an area that had multiple rivers and say, hey, you can pick from these three. I mean, that, that could work. That'd be yeah. cool. Ty, I agree with you, Dan, is a godsend to the podcast. So appreciate your kind words. Um, let's talk a little bit about, okay, so there were some rule changes that went to effect. And I wanted to talk about it because, um, first of all, the rule changes were related more to communication. Um, tell us a little bit, because you know better than us, you, you kind of like on KBN went live with the rule changes. So, but it's not really um, added to the rule books in the at least in the Bassmaster kayak series, I don't know in the Hobie BOS if they updated the rules, but tell us a little bit about the rule changes and why that has happened regarding communication. Yeah, so one of the rules that changed and it kind of had everybody freaked out at the beginning of the year was no communication, and the way that read was no communication on the water, uh, it, like in person or electronic or whatever, no getting help from anyone off the water, of course. But what people interpret that as is like I can't talk to anybody. Like, yeah, I've got to stay away from people on the water. I cannot talk to them. Can't help them. Can't do anything like that. You know, it was, people were kind of upset about it. Like I, I thought that was part of the deal. We're going to socialize out there on the water. Uh, so anyway, we had Vinny Ferrari on the KBN live podcast. And during the podcast, he, we thought, or were afraid that he outed himself for breaking that rule live. He said, yeah, I saw the guy over there was, was not catching him and I was, was killing him on this certain bait. So I went over to his boat and dropped the bait in his boat and said, here you go. And we thought, well, holy hell, the new rule, he's, he just DQ'd himself. You know, he's, he's done for. 
but lo and behold, he had cleared that with a TD before he did it. Uh, but that wasn't clearly spelled out in the rules. Yeah. So right after that, they made an addendum saying, no, the, the rule is the, the essence of the rule is to not solicit information on the water. So if you and I are fishing together, I can say, Hey, Armando, they're chomping a black frog back here in this, in this grass, but you can't ask me or I can't ask you. I can't solicit the information from you. That, that was the key. So they cleared that up uh, in the, in the latest addendum. Yeah, I know people got mad about the possum kingdom thing and people out there fishing same spot. So that's, that's kind of what my point, because I had, you know, first tournament of the year was cattle. Lake. I fished it. And I remember seeing uh, Matthew Scott, which I hadn't seen Matthew Scott uh, got really sick with COVID. Um, and it, it was bad for him. So I hadn't seen him. We, I messaged him like every week, just asking him how he was doing. So when I saw him on the water, I was like, Oh man, nice to see you. So I pedaled to him to say hi. And then I kind of realized halfway up, it's like, wait a minute. Even if I'm just saying hi, there's a lot of people around. People can t- misinterpret it. And we were just like, okay, never mind. I'll just keep pedaling. I'll say hi to you later. Um, and it really lessened the enjoyment at the, you know, we were staying with Rolando Nandine and a couple of guys from Texas. Um, and it was kind of really awkward. Even at the house where we knew we can talk, we were like, we were like in tipsy, you know, walking on eggshells. What can we say? What can we talk about? So I'm glad that got changed. I wish it would have kind of made it, you know, a little bit more publicized. I know the KBN is popular, the popular, the most, probably the most popular kayak fish, uh, fishing podcast, especially for tournaments. But, you know, not everybody listens to the KBN podcast. What? Believe it or not. I know. Believe it or not. Um, to me, it was confusing when I was listening to Steve Owens on the Possum Kingdom captain's meeting, and I felt he contradicted himself because he said, you know, this are he said about the rules, but I don't remember him saying these are the new rules. He just stated out the rules. And I was like, well, wait a minute. That contradicts what the rule book says. But it didn't really affect me. So I was like, eh, whatever. Now, after lines out on day one, we always have to, you know, instead of the cooler talk at the office, the ramp talk after lines out. Yeah, and there, talk, baby. yeah and there was a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot of people. There was a couple of anglers that were kind of frustrated because they felt the same way. They were like, well, wait a minute. You know, this country, you know, what did Steve Owen means? And I think I, you know, I love Steve Owens and I was, I couldn't find a defense. I would defend Steve Owens on anything, uh, I would give him the benefit of the doubt, but I really had no leg to stand on because I had read the rule books. I didn't know about the addendum. So I was like, well, yeah, I don't know. I guess he did contradict himself. And then I listened to, by the way, great episode with Matt Coates, uh, Joe and Matty Hughes. Joe Coates hilarious, man. I enjoyed that one and the one for Dark Water Sky Fishing, uh, Josh Smith. I think those have been my two favorite characters on the KBN I miss Josh, man. He's come back. I, miss I know, right? He's doing some jiu-jitsu stuff. He just, mm-hmm. he got tired of us. But, so I heard, you know, Joe and Matt talk about what they're doing. And in my mind, I was thinking like, are they just DQing himself right now? Like, I thought that wasn't allowed. Now, unlike other people, I don't go to social media. I just message you directly. Because I don't, you know, what if I'm wrong and I'm putting something out there that's going to put a stain on Matt? or Joe's reputation because I was not informed. And that's why I think people, if you want to comment, everybody's free to comment, whatever they want, but you know, try to do your research. So I was like, before I comment on this, before I go live, before I put it on any Facebook group, let me ask you and Jeff, Jeff and Ryan about this. And you kind of explained it to me what had happened and why was he not DQ'd? So that's a good thing. I think that needed to, to be put in effect that an end of, because it really, I think lessened the enjoyment. Like it yeah. was like, we made people had nervous. To be like, yeah, it made people nervous on the water. You don't want to be nervous out there. You want to relax. Now the one thing they did keep, and this was, this was the essence of the rule to be, to begin with, I believe yeah. is you can't electronically communicate with people on the water. So and that means text or it means anything to, you can't get fishing knowledge from anybody electronically on the water. You know, you especially can't solicit it. But if I, if you and I are fishing in the same area, we can communicate freely. I can't solicit it, but we can talk about whatever we want to talk about as far as just having a conversation. But I can't call Armando and say, hey, they're chomping a white flute back of pockets. 
you need to start throwing that. I can't do you can't do that. And that and that has been a problem for years. And it wasn't cheating because it wasn't against the rules, but it still was something that sh- people should not have been doing. It's it's a uh, you know supposed to be somewhat of an individual individual sport. Now, if you're sharing a spot, like I said, we just talked about that. That's a whole different deal. Why is it that I'm the one that always needs the help and you're the one always giving the information? What? Like, <laughs> when you make those examples, why is it that I'm the one that needs the help and you're the one that's helping me? I don't me? know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Why that bad of an angler? Because I'm older. <laughs> By what? Uh, you, well, actually, yeah. like 12 months. It's my grandfather and me. Kind of help. Let me ask you this. Now, you, I've listened to your podcast and I follow you on social media. By the way, Richie Martinez, thanks, Richie, for the for saying hi. Thank you for listening and uh, watching on Facebook. Really do appreciate it. You were, Jeff, you've been one of the most outspoken. I'm not, I don't mean that in a bad way, um, about team fishing. The concept or stigma that people are helping each other out and kind of fishing as a team in the national trail you did not like, and I agree with you first, first and foremost, but going back to possum kingdom, and this is an honest question. I'm not, I'm not challenging you on this, but I really want to know your take on it. What's the difference between what happened in possum kingdom and what you believe is ethically or against the rules? Well, it's back to what I just talked about, which is the electronic communication. It's, you know, being on a conference call with somebody and sharing with a group what's happening from a condition standpoint on different parts of the lake so that people can dial it in faster. That's what I mean by team fit. I mean, if you're all in the same spot, you you know, you're going to, whether you talk or not, you're going to kind of see what's going on and figure it out. That's not really team fishing is unless you're talking about, I mean, there's some stories a few years back of people playing defense and blocking areas off and things like that. But when I'm talking about team fishing, I'm talking about pooling information on the water using electronic communication after hours. I mean, if you're all staying in the same house, you're going to talk. I mean, you're, you're going to talk and talk about what you're, and that may help or hurt you. I don't know. Uh, But electronic communication during the tournament, that that's the thing that we want to done away with. I don't have, uh, I agree with you on that. I think we both see it the same way. Going back to the Possum Kingdom, I don't have a problem with what Joe did and Matt uh, Matt Hughes did. I don't have a problem at all. I don't discredit them. Marty Marty Hughes? Marty Hughes, I'm sorry. I don't discredit them at all. I think that's well-earned. I do do wonder, um, and this is just my personal opinion, when we're talking about sharing the water, like what I think some people might consider unfair is like, let's say Marty has dibs on the spot because he got there earlier. You know, what? what is the ethic play on like, okay, I'm going to let uh, Joe and Nick join in, but we're not going to let anybody join in. In my opinion, like, you know, you, there's there's rules that you have to be X amount of yards away from the other angler. And it's up to the other, the angler that got to that spot first, if he wants, if he's willing to share your spot. Do in your opinion, when you open the door and say, "Okay, I'm going to share my spot with you," is it okay to not then share the spot with somebody else? And what's the difference between that and holding a spot for somebody else? Yeah, I think I think their deal to me was pretty impressive. The way they were able to work that out, because I think a lot of times that would not go down like that. If someone no. else, if someone else was sitting there first there have been words and like, get out of here. You know, I was here first. I don't care if you were here yesterday or not. Uh, but those guys worked it out, including working it out with uh, the Canadian fellow that was there or now Texan Austin, uh, Nick, I think his name was. Nick. Yeah. Yeah. So those guys all worked it out and that was impressive. And that's how it should go. You should be able to communicate and say, Hey, I've got this area. You're hundred yards down this way. I'm right here. That's cool. I think, I think that's good. Now, like you said, how do you differentiate that? Hold Is that holding off other anglers are you walling off other anglers i don't know i mean some of this comes down to common courtesy common courtesy yeah. and etiquette you know what i mean if you roll up and you see three guys sitting there and they're like look man we all pre-fished here but we kind of came up with this deal and you know if you keep your distance i mean i don't know how we go down but it's the essence of all these rules that matters and there was nothing nefarious going on those guys weren't yeah. scheming to try to do something illegal or anything like that they actually did what you're supposed to do, which is talk and work it out and figure out where they were going to fish exactly and, and made that work out because a lot of times it doesn't go down like that. Like I said, yeah. people start cussing each other out. And 
you know, say something to your face nice and then go post on Facebook later and blast you. So, you know, you never know, but they, they worked it out. So it was impressive. No. And I, and I think it was a good camaraderie. And again, I don't have any problems with what they did. Congratulations on both of them. Um, it kind of is kind of like when the TOC with uh, Brian Nelly and one of the Ewan brothers, yeah. I can't remember it was Nolan yeah, it was or Nolan. Ewan. Yeah. Where they kind of help each other out. Um, it, I think what people have to understand just because Marty decided that, you know, he was going to play it this way. You can't expect that everybody else is going to be the same way. Like if you pull up to Jeff or pull up to Armando's pod, we may not have, and it's not fair. I think for people to say, well, he, he didn't want to share his spot. Well, just because Marty or Joe or Nick did it credit to them. You shouldn't expect that same treatment from somebody else. And if you don't get that courtesy, I don't think that gives you the right to shame that person. No. Because at the end of the day, when you think about it, and and I credit, I mean, I I, I hate to say this because I don't, I don't know how Marty feels about it, but it comes down to like, you know, you kind of like cheated yourself of the possibly $7,000 by sharing your spot. Like, it's seriously like... Well, again, Matt. Like all three of them. They yeah. all three kind of beat the area up. You know what I mean? Who knows? Yeah. They all caught the biggest fish there. You know, for exactly. One guy. So, Matt Coates kind of, I probably would have won it, but Marty Hughes could have easily ended up in second place yeah. because now Joe's not fishing there. But the, and now, the thing was, Marty wasn't using the right technique, and Joe kind of helped him out with that. That's I'm, true. That, that's I mean? true. That That's true. But that, that goes to the point where, like, and again, there's a lot of admirals. I'm not saying Matt. Yeah. Matty would have ended up in second place. But at the same time, I can't just now, just because I put Marty on the pedestal as far as like, hey, man, that that's awesome. Brian Nelly, the same thing. Although Brian Nelly was clearly in the front running. Like nobody was, nobody was threatening Brian Nelly's first place. So at that point, he was like, yeah, man, nobody's going <laughs> to catch up to me at this point. You can have that spot. <clears throat> yeah, I agree with you. I think. That could have gone either way. And as yeah. an angler, we have to be ready for either decision. Yeah. And be cool with it. Because if you roll up there, and you have to know the area. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't there. I didn't see this this rock wall or whatever they were fishing. I don't know how many fish were there. I don't know how big it was. But sometimes you roll up and it's, you know, a, a spot the size of a car sitting down there and it's one cast and there's no way you're sharing it with anybody. And you got to respect that. You got to pull off. What are th What is the minimum or that you have to be like, what's the minimum maximum distance between angling? Do you remember that rule? No, something I don't like know. 50 yards or something like that or 50. Yeah. Feet, I mean, I a lot of it's just more of a Eyeball, yeah, yeah. etiquette, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, Hey, don't, don't come up on people and don't, if you're going to go around them, don't just turn and go five feet in front of them and cut them off. Like give them a wide berth. But I, you know, I've never really had a conflict with anybody out there. Uh, every time I, as long as you talk, if you roll up on somebody without talking, you're in trouble. But if you, if you, as long as you talk, usually it works out okay. One way or the other, you know. Got a comment from Jeremy McCormick. Thanks for the uh, Jeremy. If you're listening, let me know if I can share the story about you hooking yourself with that pulling a Matt Scotch kind of thing. Leave me in the comment says so. Let me know if I can share. Oh, here it is. His two favorite podcasters. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna tell Ryan. I'm gonna tell Ryan that Armando's the new host. Of He's like Sorry. Ryan who. <laughs> Little premature, but excited to be able to enjoy the YouTube. For, okay. So, yeah, so I can tell the story. So I was fishing with um, on Possum Kingdom on Monday, this past Monday after the tournament. Jeremy and I were just kind of like breaking new waters. And at the end, I'm packing up and Jeremy's kind of sloping on his seat and he's calling me. And I was like, I said, yeah, come here, Armando. So I go up there and the guy's white as a ghost. Like he's as pale as a salamander. I'm like, are you Okay. And he lifts up his thumb, and sure enough, he pulled a mad scotch, and that treble hook went completely the barbed wire. So we were on YouTube trying to see if we can pull off that, you know, pull with the break line, because you know it's a thumb; it's a little bit more thicker skin than. Yeah, you couldn't and, cut it. Couldn't yeah. cut. It wasn't far enough through to cut it. Oh no, that this is where it gets interesting. So we were like back and forth. I called out a couple of people. Finally, I called that Carlos. Uh, Torres from Lone Star Kayak Fishing. And I'm like, what do you think is so good? If it's in that cartilage between the finger mm. and the nail, don't try the braid trick. Just push it completely through the other side. Um, 
<laughs> and Jeremy, I have Carlos on speaker and I'm looking at Jeremy and as I'm looking at Jeremy, Jeremy actually fainted. And, and I'm sorry, I have to share that, Jeremy. He he passed out while he was getting out of the kayak. He sat down the boat ramp. He's half half submerged on the water. Like the water, like he was laying on the boat ramp and the waves were coming up to his shoulder. Like the only thing above the water laying on the concrete was his head. He down there he had, baptizing people, trying to get hooks up. <laughs> he got up looking like, I, why am I wet? But anyways, credit to him. He actually, I, I, I mean, I was cringy. I was watching him little by little inch that treble hook all the way until it came up the other side. Um, yeah. It made a mad out of him. So yeah, well done, Jeremy. We got. Yeah. I sent you the video. I didn't post it, Jeremy, because I didn't. You know, it's your. It's kind of your your video. I don't want to take credit for it, but whenever you want to post it, go ahead. And more, is there any? I want to put it on KBN's. Uh, oh yeah, shorts. that'll. You'll get KBN famous for sure for a good reason. Well, not a good reason, but not for a bad reason either. Is there any rule changes with giving or receiving certain baits during tournaments if that is what is working? Eric and Morris, we kind of touched on that, but go ahead and, and elaborate yeah. on that. Yeah, I mean, you can do that, Eric, as long as you're just giving. They're not asking. If you see your buddy over there struggling, you can go give them that white jackhammer and say, here you go, man. This is what's doing it. Uh, now, whether they choose to accept it or not, who knows? But you can you can tell them. You can sure enough tell them. That, and that's with the Bass and Hobie rules. Local trails and stuff, I don't know what, you know, there's too many nuances there. We're talking about big, the, the, the larger the natural trails. trails. Yeah. Yeah. What have been some of your uh, favorite national trails? We got, have you fished the native Bass Power Hour? What are your no. thoughts about that format? It's kind of like a MLF format. You I have not it? fished it, but I love it. We've had are you going to fish it? Yeah. I'm planning on coming to Fort in, in October. You are? Yeah, and get to see blessed by Jeff Malott's present at Fork. No, man, the Fork is my. <laughs> that's the very first big tournament I ever went to was on Fork, back way, way, way back. The first tournament of champions it was called the PKAA Tournament of Champions. I love telling that story. Uh, that was the first big tournament I ever went to. It was the coolest thing. You know, we were using digital cameras and all the you know old school stuff, writing scores on note cards and stuff. So Fork holds a special place in my heart. So I'm going to go. But I, I love the format. I absolutely love the format. So I is can't wait that, to, to do it. Is that the one that um, was, uh, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Possum King. Oh, my God. Mark Pendergraph. Uh, sorry, Mark. I'm tired. But is that the one Mark won? Is that no Mark? You know, everybody calls Mark Pendergraph the Possum King. Little known fact, Mark on Lake Fork. He's good. He's, yeah. He's really good at that was <laughs> that was before he even started kayak fishing, man. That's how yeah. long ago that was. It this you know who Steve Garcia is from Austin area. Uh I think I follow him and I heard his name, but I don't Steve's I can't a, put a face. You know, he's, he's an absolute legend down in Texas. He I don't think he kayak fishes much anymore. But he won that first one down there on Fort and that was 2013 maybe, 2012. Wow. 20 um, 10 years now doing yeah. this. And he he won that first one and it, fishing against all those guys. Some of the same guys are still out there. You know, I still see some of the same guys out there fishing. But uh, that was a cool event. So Fork always will hold a special place. And I've done I've had some really good tournaments down there. I, you know, one of the pre Hobie TOCs, I came in top five down there on Fork. I've had a, another top ten down there. So I've had some good days on Fork. Um, are you surprised? I'm I'm assuming you are, but I'll ask. You know, somebody actually breaking uh, Mark Pendergast's record. Like me and Christine were talking about it uh, on Captain's meeting, and she's like, "I don't think she was like nobody's gonna, you know, dethrone Mark Pendergraft. As far as maybe he's not gonna win, but nobody's gonna get. I think it was two hundred and eighty inches that he got on the championship. Yeah, that was so wild. We said that on the on the podcast with Michael and, and Joe. We were like, yeah. you know, that felt like lightning in a bottle, flood, special situation. Mark yeah. had him stacked up on that ramp. That's never gonna happen again. And by God, so and behold. Michael, Michael just rolls out there and he acts like he could have had 215. You know what I mean? Because he lost a bigger fish. I mean, he acts like he could have had even more. So uh, unbelievable. I, I think Michael doesn't get as much credit as he does. I know, like, you know, Texas, you know, Guillermo, Matt, uh, Mark, you know, get a lot of the lion's share of the popularity uh, because of what they've done. I think Michael now is more like na uh, local trails, but he is an absolute hey. legend here. Dude, Michael's one of the original TOC winners. He yeah. won that thing in like 2015 or something when Bo Reed was running it. Uh, I remember I was there. I remember him winning that. So he's been doing this, winning money for a while. He can catch him. 
has always been that funny. That that was again, if you haven't listened to that episode, he stole the show on that one. Yeah. I got him to tell the story on the podcast about about that win and on like fork back then. Cause he told a story about birds pushing bait towards them and how it was, you know, the Lord looking down. It was, it was a funny story then still funny now. So I, you know, I don't have, like I said, I don't have a dog in that fight as far as, far as who wins and all that between, um, you know, Michael, um, Joe and Marty, the top three, but I do feel like it was like the right thing that Michael wanted because of the way he fished it. Like there was no, you know, sharing a spot like he he had to wait till people that were actually fishing out of a boat and taking five, six, eight pounders, according to him, out of the boat to fillet. <laughs> you know, like those fish were not being released. These are people that are taking in live room, taking it home and cook, and they're taking five, six, eight pounders out of that his pot. And yeah. he has to wait till everybody leaves. So hopefully there's still enough to win. That that is. That is pretty the, epic. The favorite part of that interview is when he talked about how he had to act like he was hung up. He said he faked <laughs> he faked that he was hung up to block those trees so those guys couldn't fish there because he's like, man, they're just wearing that spot out. So he he did a little, you know, now you see me, now you don't. Tricked him. Act like he was hung up. <laughs> that is, that's hilarious. That's uh, wisdom. Yeah, that's right. There we go. Uh, Jeff, uh, you know, I appreciate it. we're kind of closing down. Um, I got to ask you, what has been your um, favorite tournament that you fished? Ever whether, or this year? Ever. Like, what's whether you won or just had fun with it, what has been your favorite one that you've taken part of? Uh, my favorite one ever probably is a Lake Fork TOC. Uh, Duke Tram was running this one, actually. Back Him and Cody Prather were running it. Um, my son got to go with me, my oldest son. And he was down there with me and I had a really good finish, uh, caught fish for, you know, good fish for two days. Uh, didn't win the tournament, but I came in top five, had a good finish, got to hang out with my son for four days on Lake Fort. And, uh, that's probably my favorite one, but I've had so many fun times at different tournaments. I mean, I've had so many fun times at different tournaments. Another one that I won was on Table Rock and that was because of my son. He gave me the juice and I didn't believe him at first, but he gave me the juice and I listened to what he said. And by God, I went up there and won the tournament. What was the juice? Now I have to ask. It was a big flutter spin, 50 feet of water. Really? Yeah, 50 feet of water, boat docks, flipping, a, you know, letting a big flutter spin fall. Wow. Uh, that I bought at Lake Fork Tackle down there, but I brought it to Table Rock. <laughs> brought it to Table Rock, and that son of a gun, it was a magical day, and uh, won that on the old kayak bass series. It doesn't exist anymore, but that was the, one of the first pro trails, too, or big time. Trails. That was the first uh, national trail, yeah. kayak bass series, right? Even yep. before KBF. Yep, sure enough. A lot of, I think a lot of people forget about that. You talk about payments, dude. I won that tournament, and Terry Manley handed me an envelope with $3,000 cash. I just said, here you go. Right, right there on the spot after the tournament. I said, all right, man. This is how we do it. There's no one-month PayPal waiting time or anything. <laughs> no tournament fees. Oh, no. PayPal fees. Let me ask you this. Do you, have you ever – I know I'd never done it, but because I haven't kayak bass fish in, up until like three years ago, um, at least on tournaments. Do you have you ever done any of those trails before that you know they would the what was I think that like the tournament director would show at the captain's meeting before launch and will bring like for example a random item it would be like 20 of them. Like I remember guys telling me that like the tournament director would be like there were 20 of you, they would bring like 20 spoons. Yeah. So you had to take a picture with the spoon, and the reason for that is to prove that you were. You know, you you didn't have a, a, a old school picture. Yeah, you know, that's how that AJ used to do it, man. That's how AJ and Jay used to do it over with bluegrass back in the day. That's did you ever did one of those? We didn't do that. I used to run tournaments here in Arkansas, and we did some stuff, different stuff, but we didn't do that. We had like little putt-putt golf scorecards, and we had digital cameras. You know, so you'd have you to write your SD. Yeah, you'd have to write your score on the card. You know, and we had we had buckets on a table at the weigh-in. So you would show up to the weigh-in and you'd have to put your SD card in the one fish, two fish, three fish, four fish, five fish. So we didn't even bother checking the one fish. We'd always check the five fish buckets. But but the game was all the people at the weigh-in are standing there waiting to see, oh, here comes, here comes uh Jeremy. Let's see if he puts it in the five fish, because I know so and so got this many. That that was pre-turny X. You're just trying to see if you had, you know, four or five or whatever. Uh, and you'd sit there for two hours with a laptop looking at SD cards. So <laughs> that's fun times, man. Do you miss uh, that? No, 
<laughs> you, you know what I do miss though is everybody came to the captain's meeting. Yes. And everybody came to the weigh-in and sat around yeah. there for hours. You know, we do it at big restaurants, big parking lots, whatever. And you were there. So I do miss that part. I, I do feel bad uh, for the, um, so I, I live here in Texas. I live, I live like an hour and 30 minutes, well, two hours from the, my launch at Possum Kingdom. So I got there before, you know, check my board. And I told Steve, like, I want to stay for the captain's meeting. And I feel bad because I feel like I should stay. Um, but I was like, man, I'm not staying in the lake. I'm staying two hours. And then for the award ceremony, it was like, you know, I had to cut a deal with the wife. It's like, okay, you can fish it, but you need to be back for dinner because we have dinner with friends and all that. So I missed the award and I really would have wanted to be there to kind of support the Texas anglers like, uh, you know, Michael and Joe and the, the top five, four of the top fives were from yeah. Texas, Matt Fletz. And I forgot who's the, who's the fourth, uh, who ended up in, it was Marty Houston. I forgot who ended up in fourth. And I think Matt Fletz ended up yeah. in fifth. So I felt bad that I wasn't there. I think I need to be a bigger effort to try yeah. to be there for the awards, whether I win or not. The last time I saw that there was a huge attendance ironically enough was for um the Bassmaster kayak series the first one at possum kingdom where oh my god who was the tournament director i forgot his name oh my god he had he was diagnosed with cancer um what was his name i had my name on on the top of my head um anyways uh local texas legend he was a tournament director and i remember it was like only the top three show up because it was covid no, right. it's like we'll just call the top three and that's it. And then turns out like all 200 people showed up and their families. Yeah. Uh, so it was fun. I like that. And there was no food or anything. Not like last year when they had like the pizza. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, I want to tell you one more thing. And I've said this on KBM before, but this is one other thing I miss. I wish they'd bring this back. They never will. But we used to do parking lot shotgun start shotgun starts. Yes. Kind of like mm-hmm. uh, the Hobie F- Fishing World. No, I'm talking about parking lot in your vehicle. Really? Yes. At the at the at Lake Fork TOC. You've been to Lake Fork Marina, right? Yes. So there'd be a hundred trucks and cars in there in that gravel crammed in there. And Bo Reed would pop off a gun and everybody would haul <laughs> ass to their spots in the dark. And dudes were getting stuck in the ditches and speeding and dust flying everywhere. It, it was good times. Very dangerous, but they, they don't do that anymore. I have to ask you one more question, and I know um, I'm going to get uh, flack from Steve-O for this because I asked, uh, I mentioned this on the episode with me and Dan. Um, he messaged me immediately, but I'm going to bring it up again. So sorry, Steve-O. I, I do have an issue, and again, it's not against Steve or 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 Tony X and all that, but I do wish there could be something done with the deadline submitted. I, I really believe it takes so much enjoyment out of the, out of fishing the trail when you catch your limit and you may have a winning limit, maybe not, but now you're playing that game where it's like, I don't have a signal. What do I do? Do I leave my spot early? Do I chance it? Do I want to keep fishing? I'm on a, you know, the bite is on fire, but it's close. And I, you know, I Steve will message me and kind of explain it. And he's going to be here, I think, uh, in two weeks from now. We're going to talk about it a little bit. But I wanted to take your thoughts on it. You know, I understand Steve's point of view. You know, as a tournament director, I get it. Like logistics of judging so many fish. And if the lake doesn't have any signal and people just submit it after lines out and you give them like an hour after lines out, he is just, you know, flanked in all angles. And now it's a rush you try to judge fish and that's where mistakes happens and i and i get all that what do you think is a good you know do you think that's a problem just having 30 minutes after lines out to submit a fish and if you do what do you think what is your idea of a good uh, way to solve that i've always liked an hour i know I've, I've always liked an hour 30 minutes is enough if you plan for it you know what i mean if you plan for it if you because where you're fishing you know where you have signal and where you don't you know what i mean if you on the way there you know when you lose bars on the water, you know, you know, where you lose bars and, and they're using tourney X. So you can live well, everything. And as soon as you get to signal, just pop, 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 pop. You don't have to go through and, you know, individually I, submit them all. I couldn't use life well on Boston Kingdom, And that's why they extended it that okay. day, which you could move. I mean, but I couldn't use live well. Like really? I tried. Even... No, I wouldn't. I submitted to live well when then I went to submit to put it on the net. When I had signal, they were gone. They disappeared. They were like, 
they were never there. Right. I even have, when I opened the live well, I even have like fish from past tournaments that I put in the live well that were still there from like a year ago. And I was like, oh my God, I have, let me not make sure I don't confuse this, you know, but it yeah. does, you know, it does. That's tough, man. I, yeah. You know, the bass boat side of things, the you know, the elites and MLF, they only go to lakes with strong signal now. Like they, they make that part of their deal. Yeah. Uh, because they have to for live streaming on TV and all that. I don't want us to ever get to that point. No. We still go where we want to go. Uh, but yeah, a little extra time wouldn't hurt, especially on day one. You know what I mean? Like on yeah, day one, it's like, you know what I mean? On day one, push that thing out an hour. Day two, cut it to 30. Put it to day one, push it like two hours. Like I, it doesn't matter because it's like, like that's yeah, what not, I was like. Day two, I kind of understand, but I still wish like maybe launch 30 minutes prior. Like, I, I think a lot of it, I don't know if it has to do with insurance policies and all that, but it used to be that we would launch when it was dark and paddle out and we were casting when it was still dark. Now I've noticed, and I don't know because of the time changes, you know, uh, now that it's summer, it, you know, daylight is earlier, but I've noticed lately that it's more like, no, even on Cattle Lake, which is still technically winter, we were launching, you know, we was kind of daylight still um, by the time we got to launch. And it used to be that we could launch when it was dark, you know, we launched like 5.30 instead of now launching at 6. And I wish they would go back to that, but I get the feeling that has a lot to do with insurance and they don't want kayakers out there at night where they're more prone, which is, I get that part, but it also, there's a lot less speed. There's a lot less boaters um, on the water. Yeah. When I, always it's like dark. Us, I always like us getting out there. If we know, especially if you know, there's a basketball yeah. tournament, you want us to be at least 30 minutes to an hour ahead of their start. Yeah. So you're not having to, cause you, we ain't beating anybody to the spot. Yeah. We want, we want to beat to our areas before, before we're racing them and they're running all over the lake. And so. even you can get run over. I mean, when, yeah. when they, I mean, if you ever been at a boat launch, you know, lines, uh, launch time at a basketball tournament. I mean, it's crazy. Ooh, especially in the spring or fall when that falls on the water, it's scary. I've been on Lake Fork on a Monday and I've seen basketball tournaments. I'm like, it's not even a holiday. Man, Lake Fork. A basketball tournament on a Monday. Man, I've been on some <laughs> weather out there. That place will scare you to death if you're out there in some bad weather. But anyway. Talk about wild weather. It scares me as the 15 feet crocodiles. I'm exaggerating, but there it is double digit feet <laughs> crocodiles out there. That's for sure. You know, but anyway, seen one. All the years I've been there, I've still never seen a. Um, I think theater. it's Caney Creek. If you go up oh, Caney yeah. Creek, I've been up in there. I've been Dude. in every damn creek on that lake, and I hadn't seen one, but I know they're in there. No, I've the the last tournament that no, not the last tournament, but the first Bassmaster Kayak Series when I pre-fished. Dude, I ran into some like prehistoric monsters that I was like, it came to it's like what you call like primal fear. Like I wasn't scared. And I, I just had this primal fear that this animal, if it decided that I was on their menu, there was nothing I can do. When we get <laughs> off here, I'm going to send you a picture of me and my son from back in the day on, on Fork, like waist deep wading through some pads trying to get back in some stuff and pre-fishing. I'll say it'll freak you out. <laughs> yeah, it'll freak me, especially now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that now. Uh, Johnny Maddox, thanks you for commenting. That was insane, driving like a madman. I think he was referring to the, you know, launching from the... The road. The road. Yeah. Mad so, <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much, man. I do always like to give my special guest a few minutes to give you a shout out. She plug in. So take as much time as you want. Oh, no, man. I appreciate the time uh, coming on here. If And anyone's watching on my YouTube channel, because now this software allows us to stream it to our own personal channel. So yeah, if you're no, watching, over, so if you're watching on it. my channel, I appreciate you watching over there. Appreciate you guys following on my own channel. Of course, KBN on Monday nights. Come over and check us out. Armando's been on a few times. He's been a guest host before. Uh, over there with us helping out on some shows so we appreciate you over there armando uh, and always mixing it up in the comments there uh, and then sponsor wise i've been on the old town team for years i appreciate them uh, i'm on the temple fork outfitters team down in texas the, the rods down there love the tfo rods my man guillermo uh, helping design those and then i recently just got added to the dugout team i know they sponsor go. our podcast but i haven't uh, been on the dugout team officially until now so i'm on the dugout team now but yeah, other than that, man, just uh, keep on keeping on with what you're doing. Appreciate what you guys do at Bass Kayak and Beers. Appreciate you having me on. I appreciate it. And I, and I was wondering why the uptick in, you know, in watch. And I was like, man, like Jeff bringing the sex appeal. I got a lot, but it's just because you share it to you. So I appreciate you sharing it to your, yeah, man. To your, well, uh, save me if you're having to upload. I usually upload on Fridays, but I'll do it next Friday and use this instead. Perfect. <laughs> 
Well, thanks again, Jeff. I really appreciate you taking the time. Good luck. What's your next tournament out there? Man, I hurt my back at Kentucky Lake. I had to leave after day one. Fifty years old. I'm telling you, and I, so I'm shut. <laughs> I had to. Sh- I'm shutting down tournaments for the summer, which sucks. Really? Because I, I was doing pretty good. I had some good finishes in the BOS and was doing okay. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm done for the summer. I'm gonna make a comeback in the fall. My plan is hopefully to go to Rayburn in September and then Fork in October. That's my hope. Other times, still unbeaten, but telling you, after I get right, I gotta get right. <laughs> well, hope you get right soon, man. And yeah. uh, and again, thank you for joining us. And uh, for those out there listening and watching, we do really appreciate it. Uh, give us a follow, Bass Kayak and Beers, in Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, KBN, Jeff Malad, and uh, Ryan Lambert. You can follow them on YouTube, Facebook. You guys don't do TikTok, you do do Instagram. Yeah, right? we have TikTok, but we're pretty slow on TikTok, we're, we don't do much over there. 50-year-old on TikTok. That's impressive, man. That's groundbreaking. <laughs> All right. So if you're going to be on the water, please wear your PFDs. If you're going to have a couple of beers while you're at it, just, just please make sure you drink responsibly. Make it back home to your loved ones. Everybody have a great day. Peace out. <laughs>